have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. Silence, the great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel? Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder? Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning, everybody. I am Jason Burmes. This is Reality Rants brought to you by Red Voice Media. And let me tell you something right now. We got a big old show for you. I've got an interview uh, with my good friend over at rcreader.com, River City's reader here locally in the quad cities uh, i just got a tip article on top of that via uh whitney webb um basically whitney webb was part of a great roundtable discussion with derek bros with james corbett with ryan christian heavy heavy hitters and uh, we're going to be going over darpa's man in wuhan actually sent it to me two minutes before the broadcast and we already had a pretty big broadcast over there and uh oh that's so that's so awesome of her she's gonna send me a uh, review copy of the books uh I'm, i love that that's that's amazing those books are heavy hitters i've got to uh first of all i've been covering the epstein thing well over a decade whitney webb's articles uh took the world by storm when they were all the way back in the mint press days. And I certainly wasn't the first one to read that first article that started to go super mega viral. I think I read it within the first few days of it going super mega viral because so many people were like, you need to read this. And not only did I read it, but I was so impressed with the historical nature of, of kind of, build not just coming at you with epstein but building a context where you understand this isn't a new thing that blackmail is utilized to influence and control people situations and resources period and uh webb did such a good job on glenn beck i was so impressed with that as well uh, really top tier 
when it comes to um, journalism, in my opinion. Great writer, uh, really head on straight. Unlimited Hangout, great uh, website. We've had Johnny Vedmore on the program many times. In fact, when we talk about Klaus Nutschwab and the gang, Vedmore has done some of the seminal work, kind of showing you once again the background, the infrastructure, how Nutschwab himself was kind of uh, recruited as a high-level bureaucrat frat boy. And what do I mean by frat boy? Well, instead of the idea of everybody getting together at an alumni weekend and drinking some beer and playing some softball and barbecuing some chicken, and what I do with my fraternity, right? A couple couple formal dances for the guys um, that are actually still in the fraternity, right? That, that type of thing. Instead of that, when I say frat boy, we want you to recruit high-level businessmen, banksters, and heads of state and bring them into this non-government organization. We're going to meet at least once a year. There'll be some special things. And then we're going to have forums uh, on how we're going to run the world and steer society socially, literally social engineering uh, in front of everybody, in front of everybody. And really, we're not coming up with these ideas. Others in think tanks and roundtable groups behind the scenes will come up with these ideas. And then we will then become the mouthpieces and then the vehicles for these ideas to come into fruition. And, and the overarching idea that we are constantly going to run on is that there are too many people on the planet doing too many things and we are harming mother nature. Therefore, the people here at Davos and those working with us need to take charge of all of society and promote an agenda of quote unquote sustainability, I repeat that for you, sustainability, which really means, and we'll, we'll play the clip later, we've played it a hundred times, I'll play it a hundred more, your standard of living absolutely plummeting. Your standard of living absolutely plummeting. Goodbye, gonzo as the Asian standard of living comes up. And it's already really come up to the peak of where they'd like it. They have a social credit score in place. They have a track trace database society. They have a largely obedient populace. They'd like them a little more obedient now. You could always have that, right? But again, when you look at Asian culture in particular and uh, that culture, they are uh, very lockstep with the message from the party. Okay. And the party has started at Davos. And you want to know how, how we know it started? Let me explain to you how we know it started. <laughs> okay. And we've got uh, a, a ton of news that we might hit. We might not. Uh, we'll see where we go with this, guys. It, we, we do it live. Prostitutes gather in Davos for annual meeting of global elite where demand for sexual service rockets during economic summit. So let, let's just pull it back for a second. Constantly, 
the promotion by the Davos crowd, the UN crowd, the World Health Organization crowd is one of diversity and equity and empowerment. And then you see how they really treat people, how they really treat people. Let me tell you how they really treat people. They own your ass. Okay, they own, you are a thing at best. And so these people who have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, some of them billions of dollars, they don't look at other people the same way. What they want, they expect to get. And laws don't apply to them. Okay. And the rules and regulations and 15 minute cities and an ability for you to be able to pay your bills won't apply to them either. When they tell you an equalization of the haves and the have nots, they mean third world peasants and first world peasants all coming together. Doesn't matter if you were in the upper middle class, you don't have an upper middle class. And there really is no third world because everybody's under a biometric slave system. That's not, not only a social credit score based on the Internet of Things, which is the track trace uh, database society that's already been built. It's already here. It's already in our face. Okay. But also the Internet of Bodies under the skin technology. That's what we're really talking about. And you know what? They will buy who they want to buy. They will traffic who they want to traffic because they are above you. You know, I've seen some uh, uh, things going around, supposedly, that uh, uh, someone's going to release the Epstein client list. And I've gotten some, uh, you know, I've gotten some videos behind the scenes. All I've seen is stuff that I've already seen. You know, it rehashed parts of court cases, uh, people on the flight logs, people who were in um, Epstein's black book that we already knew about, et cetera. It is hilarious to me um, and, and a good thing that, for instance, and, and this made some news, but not nearly enough news. Bill Gates uh, tried to do a, a, I think it was a Reddit AMA. Let's do it live here. I didn't have this one pulled up, but Gates tries to do a Reddit AMA and he gets hammered, hammered with Epstein questions. Good, <laughs> good. So, so let's let's look that up. Epstein Gates AMA. Yeah, this was last week. And this is what I mean, man. No, no one. You you know the fix is in for a guy like Gates. Or when the New York Post is the number one thing. That's it. And then there's, uh, let's see, news18.com under Buzz, Reddit, and then we we have to go to torontosun.com, all right? torontosun.com. After you get the, to that, none of these are even relevant to the AMA aspect, okay? None of them are even relevant to it. And, and that's why, again... When we talk about AI, we talk about technology, it's garbage in, it's garbage out. Who controls the AI? 
Who's writing the code? What are and aren't the variables? Because that Omeka speech on channel four in Europe, like, that, that's a script. That's not artificial intelligence. All right. That's degenerative, destructive instruction. That's what that is. Might have to play that clip as well. So again, you know Davos is kicking off when a bunch of prostitutes are there. Okay. And before I play Klaus Nutschwab's initial speech, and, and this is also another thing out there, guys. Be careful what you talk about, aka. Um, you know, what you put out there is fact, or you start sharing immediately on social media. I know there was a big thing out there that Klaus Schwab was sick. He's not going to make Davos 2023. You know, read past the headline, see what the source is. Klaus Nutschwab is there and he is taking it to a next level, cordial, positive plan. We have to remain positive. After all, he told you about the angrier world and the angrier, angrier world for them means, you know, 5,000 uh, police, a uh, 5,000 person police and security force protecting them. They're angrier towards them. Don't worry. We can afford the people with the guns we don't want you to have or already in some cases don't allow you to have. They have the guns. You don't have the guns. They have the private planes. You, you don't have the private planes. They have a freedom of medical choice. You don't have a, a freedom of medical choice. That's really this agenda, all right? Because they're they're looking not only for command and control over your life, okay, but over the life of the entire planet. And eventually what they'd like to do is go even beyond transhumanism, which is a topic I talk about all the time. And according to a piece posted by the nut Schwab himself, the nutshell, we'll read the whole thing because it's very short, it's very to the point. A vision for a global collaboration village. And this is by our man Klaus right here, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. And you've guessed it by the rather crappy Dreamcast looking avatars, you know, from the PlayStation 2 generation. And that's just a succubus. Trust me, guys, it's going to get a lot more realistic. And they already have it a lot more realistic, um, just not commercially yet, that they're pushing the metaverse agenda. So this is a, an op-ed by the Nut Schwab. I constantly have gone to the fact that this is on their initiatives section, that they're defining and building a metaverse with what? Governance, all right, societal and economic value. When you look at the map here and setting the rules, they want global governance, global governance, global governance. It's always about globalism. It's always about the collective. It's always under the veil of them trying to what? Empower humanity. So this is Forbes, and this is from the Nut Schwab himself. Oh, I, I can't, I'm, you know, I thought about reading it in a bad German, but I cannot read like this for the entire thing. It will not be good. Many heralded the advent of the internet and the spread of information communication technologies as the enablers of a global village that would unite people across borders, support the exchange of ideas, and revolutionize progress. 
Until now, that promise has yet to be fully realized. Let's stop. Oh, no. It was on the verge of being fully realized during that post 9-11 era when the algorithms would allow things like Loose Change and Infowars.com and We Are Change to go viral, okay? It, it was a place where social media did bring people together, all right? And, and don't get me wrong, there were problems and there were bots and there was misinformation, disinformation largely spread um, by, what, government insiders and those that wanted to spoil the pot. Crazy people exist too, folks, but, but let's be honest. But then the censorship, it was an excuse for censorship. So now, unfortunately, that promise can never be realized with the current models because we don't have freedom of speech, the most basic of rights on the internet. And that's not a liberal or conservative or a right or left issue. It's a straight up human issue. Without free speech, you can you cannot have at least an attempt at truth. And lies don't make friends. And the more deception and lies that you are surrounded by, okay, the more negativity you are surrounded by and the more fear you are surrounded by. And that is by design, in my opinion, to enact this immobilization of the spirit, the soul of humanity, to try to say to you that you are not special, you are not powerful, you are part of a cog in a machine, you are part of a collective, and you will do what you are asked of, period. Command and control, anti-human, almost machine-like, if you will. And then again, that's what they're doing with transhumanism, on one end, they want to run experiments so they can live forever biologically. On the other end, they want you merging with machines and your standard of living plummeting so much that you accept this new metaverse. And you not only accept the new metaverse, you embrace the new metaverse. With the internet and the later video conferencing has brought us together in virtual spaces, human connection has been missing. Instead of generating trust, the foundation for any partnership, the internet has had the deteriorous effect of increasing polarization. In recent years, the division has accelerated as misinformation too often has run unchecked. Again, they're, they're telling you, we want to censor you. We want to censor you. They're the ones that sold you on the, the idea not to be around other human beings. They caused the actual isolation. Okay, and they've run the psychological warfare operations where you're, where you're sitting there scrolling and taking 27 selfies a day, and you, you know, and, and doing a dance routine for no good reason. Come on. Come on. We are now at the beginning of a transformative technological development that could address the divide. The metaverse. Metaverse technologies allow us to be immersed in virtual three-dimensional worlds that offer people the opportunity to see, understand, and imagine our world in a new way. This may sound like science fiction to some, but certainly not to the more than 3 billion people globally who play video games regularly. The new form of technology 
enabled human interactions is uh, enabled human interactions is on track to become ubiquitous in our personal and professional lives. Again, they don't want to give you a choice. And so many, many of these NGOs that are uh, involved in the World Economic Forum, involved in the United Nations, involved even in the World Health Organization, what they're also involved heavily in the education system, period. And not only are the young people being trained to use it as entertainment, but the very young will be uh, trained to use it via education. By the way, 200 plus over at YouTube. Let's get the thumbs up. Rumblers, let's get the thumbs up. Let's get King Nut Schwab's message out to the people. He's telling you. He's telling you. This new form of technology-enabled human interaction is on track to become ubiquitous in our personal and professional lives. Billions of dollars are being invested into developing the metaverse, which is projected to become an $800 billion market by 2024. So within the next, what, 12 months, business executives, government officials, and uh, civil society leaders. Oh, civil society leaders. These are like the thought leaders they constantly tell you about. Let me tell you what a civil society leader actually means. Civil society leaders are people that want to restrict certain speech and activities in the metaverse so that what? It's not truly free and they'll say that it's safer. In fact, that's in the next sentence. You know, it's going to be equitable and safe. And when they talk about civil societies, Klaus Nutschwab has let the cat out of the bag. China is the model. That's the model for this. Okay, so they have to come together to define and build an economically viable, interoperable, safe, equitable and inclusive metaverse. Everything's inclusive, everything's in, uh, equitable, and everything's about what? Economics. Like the economics of a bunch of these people at Davos buying prostitutes, right? Trafficking in humans is things without a second thought. But they're, they're the civil society leaders they're the chosen group of people, right? They're, they're the high value individuals. <sighs> the inside story. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that is is that it? No, it can't be it. Is that it? Yeah, I guess that's it. I, 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 oh, no. Oh, I was going to say. I'm sorry. The Papa John's. I was going to say. I thought there was a little bit more. I didn't think it was that long. But, geez. God. I'm losing. It's a little early. It's a little early here, guys. As always, there will first uh, there will be first movers, bystanders, and those who are slower to adapt to change. And we see with every breakthrough, as we see with every breakthrough technology, there will be leaps forward and setbacks along the way. To create mass adoption, the metaverse must show that it is not just a replacement for what we already do, but that it enables us to do things in a new and more effective way. Now, again, huge push at the last Davos, two separate uh, metaverse forums. We've played pieces on this program because what? It's important. It's relevant. It's what we need to be talking about. A new global village. OK, 
Okay, the capabilities of the metaverse create the conditions to make extraordinary progress in global interactions and collaboration. That's why we established the Global Collaboration Village, the first global purpose-driven metaverse platform created to enhance a more sustained public-private cooperation and spur action to drive impact at scale. This global village will not replace the need to meet face-to-face, -face, but will instead supplement and extend our ability to connect regardless of where we are physically located around the world. Always got to throw in the sustainability language. This is more of that Bernaysian language, Bernaysian talking uh, points, public-private cooperation. That's fascism. Okay? Public isn't you and I working with the big corporations. It's the state. All right? And once again, they're like, don't worry. You will be able to see other people. Don't worry. But they're pushing Zoom meetings. They're pushing telework. They're pushing you into masks and gloves and 15-minute cities. They want you to be so detached from your biology, your human spirit, what makes you part of the true collective of humanity, all right? And push you into a false digital realm in which you are promised limitless happiness and limitless uh, opportunities, right? And limitless visions, just like a video game. But I want you to think about something, okay? Don't get me wrong. There's some fun games out there. In fact, uh, especially with the morning show and, you know, sometimes talking now two to four hours a day, guys, which is a lot, okay? I used to do the smaller videos, but talking two to four hours a day, um, being a high consumer of news. so. When I am watching television, CBC, I'm over in Canada, I'll check out the BBC, I'll check out, obviously, Fox and MSNBC and CNN, et cetera, et cetera, global CNN. But I can only do that for so long, so I'll pick up a video game. I just, uh, I just beat High on Life, and that was kind of original. But, you know, at the same time, other than the humor and the jokes, et cetera, it was, it's really a lot like Metroid. So just like, you know, I discussed this kind of with John Fitch again and again, uh, we regurgitate things, although they're going to promise you all these, you know, new experiences and new worlds in the metaverse. We know how things get regurgitated again and again and again, and they become disappointing and they become run of the mill. I don't know that this technology is going to be anything different. And I think you have to have a balance in life, right? I don't think that everybody who plays video games should probably be playing video games. Like if you don't have a job or if you're on there 8, 10, 14 hours a day and you're not playing competitively and making money from this thing or you're a streamer or whatever, what are you doing with your life? You can overdo anything, anything, everything in moderation. But we, we have to look at the aspect, again, of the over-promising of all this stuff. And they always overpromise. And really, the goal is not to empower you through the technology, unfortunately. It's to empower themselves as they enslave the masses. 
into this idea of, well, you don't really need to meet up with all these people all the time because you got the metaverse. You don't really need to hug grandma or grandpa in real life. You got the metaverse. In fact, you don't need a grandma and grandpa because you have the metaverse and you can now identify as a cyan, uh, or I'm sorry, cyan colored squirrel with a rainbow mohawk in the metaverse. Why not? The immersive nature of the global collaboration village has the potential to create a powerful and efficient means to drive global progress. Inclusive and responsible by design, it will be a creative place to imagine alternative futures, explore ideas and systems transparently and safely, and envision what the future of engaging uh, mistakeholder collaboration could be. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, multi-stakeholder collaboration. It is a mistake, mistakeholder. It might as well be, because this idea of stakeholder capitalism is bullshit. It's enslavement, stakeholder capitalism. Oh yeah, you're gonna be a stakeholder. No, that's your social credit score. That's your carbon credit system. That's what that is. For example, people will be able to dive in to an interactive ocean experience that reveals the importance of safeguarding our ocean and challenge us to picture the positive impact we could have through collective action. Well, like stopping the military testing that's going on in large swaths of the ocean and the actual pollution from corporations that has nothing to do with carbon. Are we gonna take collective action on that? No, no. Who controls what gets programmed into the metaverse? And they see it's not reality, it's virtual reality. So talk about subversion of what's really going on underwater. There's no way to check it, right? There's no way to check it. They can insert or delete anything they want from their virtual reality. Again, who programs the AI? Ah, oh, boy, oh boy. Instead of telling us how important um, mangroves are for coastal ecosystems, it invites us to witness and experience the power of restoration and conservation for ourselves, all while engaging with global experts and innovators who are on the physical front line of this work. The annual 2023 meeting will be important uh, milestone as we launch our prototype of the Global Collaboration Village in partnership with, uh, at, what is that, at Accenture and Microsoft? I, I guess that's that's going to be the one we're going to have to do a watch along with, right? This, is, this has got to be at the Global Collaboration Village, guys, and supported by a consortium of leading global corporations, governments, international organizations, academic institutions, and NGOs. As technology continues to evolve, we must come together to shape and grow this global village and realize the dream of instantaneous, inclusive, and impactful cooperation. So with that being said, let's let the nut Schwab speak for himself from Davos. This is his intro speech uh, yesterday. Good evening and a very cordial welcome to the annual meeting 2023. I express this cordial welcome on behalf of the Board of Trustees and my colleague, 
Olga Brenn is the president and all the members of the management board, as well as all the people who are here to make your stay here enjoyable and productive. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time. We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. What does it need to master the future? I think to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. Governments, business, civil societies, the young generation, and I could go on, I think is a first step to meet all the challenges. But what is even more important is that we approach the future with a positive spirit, with a spirit which reflects human creativity and ingenuity. And for this reason, it's very appropriate to begin this annual meeting with the participation of great artists featuring culture and the arts. We have to uplift our hearts. We have to restore a notion despite all the headwinds of optimism. And we have to integrate into everything which we are doing, our hearts. Only if we are involved with all our passion to construct and to shape the future, I'm convinced we will overcome the present multi-crisis. So, Again, a very cordial welcome, and I... Everything is cordial. We have to uplift spirits. He said cordial. How many times? How many times? Talked about the culture and artwork. These are the social engineers. You know, he, he damn well knows there's been a huge awakening and backlash to this agenda. No one wants this great reset monstrosity. It's it's not something when, when you tell somebody, you know, don't worry, you're going to own nothing, but you're going to be happy about it. Most people are like, um, no, <laughs> no, no, that sounds like a lot of hogwash and a lot of Johnny nonsense. That doesn't seem real. That doesn't seem like that's possible. Why, why do I trust the guy in the German accent? Why do I trust billionaires? Why do I trust people telling me they want me to be? in a 15 minute space. No, thank you. So what I'm gonna do here is we've got about 25 minutes left in the free portion of the show. I wanna remind people that the paid portion is over at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason or slash uncensored. It is $10 a month or $10, or I'm sorry, just $1 for your first week. Uh, $100 for the year, lock it in, support the broadcast. You like what I do. You came over from InfoWars maybe yesterday. You want to see a little bit more. It's the tip of the iceberg, okay? And when they talk about sustainability and they talk about productivity improvement, it means your standard living plummeting. It means Malthus 101. It means automation coming in. And it means their fourth industrial revolution and great reset realized. 
this idea of the multi-crisis they constantly talk about. But what I want to do is I want to play at least about 20 plus minutes of this interview I just did with uh, Todd McGreevy uh, of the River City Reader. We talked about a multitude of things. I'm going to be stopping it before we end the first hour to bring you over to the uh, premium portion of the broadcast. I do want to remind you, you can listen for free always live over at the infowarrior.podbean.com. And then every single day, just like this one, we release the premium from two weeks ago. So if there was an interview or a topic or a video that you did want to see that you knew I was going over, go to redvoicemedia.com and check that out as well. Without further ado, let us get to uh, my interview here with Todd McGreevy. Hey everybody, Jason Burmis here. And for the next hour or so, we've got the man, the myth, the legend behind the River Cities Reader, rcreader.com. If you want a consistently honest and insightful news source i encourage you to go there today uh we have a number of topics including voter rolls being suppressed by the establishment trying to make it harder for you and i to do an honest audit of anything when it comes to our elections we're going to be talking a lot about the second amendment and some sheriffs who have really uh come to the aid of their populace via that scary thing, the Constitution, that and so much more with my good friend, Todd McGreevy. Todd, how are you? I'm well, Jason, very well. Thanks for having me on to the uh, Red Voice Media and the Burmist Brigade. <laughs> you know? Well, well Todd, let's, let's uh, start with the Second mm -hmm. Amendment because mm -hmm. uh, I was in a thread recently where somebody sent me um, just something from the local sheriff because now mm -hmm. you have, I believe it's the Rock Island Sheriff saying, no, there's a thing called the Second Amendment, Pritzker and company, and the people have it. And for those that don't understand, Illinois has ever more restrictive laws regarding guns. Uh, now I would say even past something like New York, where it's almost impossible to get certain types of handguns. Uh, and the people there are concerned because, as you know, we're in the Quad Cities, uh, the Mississippi River divides Iowa and uh, Illinois at many, many important points, Our be, ours being one of them. That's why it's the Quad Cities. It actually encompasses both ends. And the culture here is very Second Amendment friendly. Yes, it is. It is. Well, we happen to have the Arsenal Island right here between the two uh, state borders, which is a munitions and uh, uh, weapons manufacturing for over 100 years. You know, So there's lots of uh, 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 industry in this region that, that make firearms and we have to what we're referring to is hb 5471 that's the law that was recently passed and signed by pritzker in in uh, illinois and it doesn't go into effect until january of next year and there's some kind of stair step tiers that it goes up to to ramp up to it but the the biggest picture that that's there's pushback from local county sheriffs outside of cook county uh there's sheriff john f booker's um uh letterhead he issued a, a news release on wednesday uh, or maybe it was thursday this but, coming past week um, saying he was not going to uphold this this law, that it was unconstitutional. And this law includes, among other things, that you have to, if you have a so-called assault weapon, which I haven't drilled down on what all that means. I'm told by many people know more than I do about this, that it means a lot of weapons, many of which everybody has. If you have one of those, you must register, must pay a fee and register it uh, with the state police. And uh, if the, you know, if you're, what are the state police going to do, come door to door? I mean, they're already taxed as it is. Uh, most people don't understand that the law enforcement 
nationwide, I've, I was told this by a county sheriff who, who would know this, uh, that nationwide, forget the uh, defund the police challenge that's going on out there. Just look at demographics, he says. In the next five years, because not, more people are not coming up in the ranks and young people aren't signing up to become law enforcement, and you have the baby boomer you know, um, um, tsunami of people getting old and aging out and retiring, and all the nonsense going on on top of it, he says we are going to have a, a just a dearth of of law enforcement anyway. So add that to the mix. So let's add this extra onerous law-abiding citizens who've already lawfully purchased your weapon, gone through the motions, got your FOIA card in Illinois. You now need to go another step and register it with with the with the state government. That's going over real well, so well that sheriffs have stood up and said, "No, we're not going to do that, uh, Governor Pritzker. Sorry." And like you said, it's more than just John F. Booker. Um, you have a lot of people obviously concerned about this because there isn't quite uh, a, like you said, solid definition of the term assault weapon, right? And <laughs> it's amorphous, I think. You know, I, I, it's it, I, I quit trying to figure it out years ago. Like I'm gonna quit ch chasing this tail to tr figure out what they what they mean this time. You know, and at the same time. Uh, you have this SAFE Act that is supposedly now under effect. Uh, for those that are unaware of the SAFE Act, uh, there were literally other uh, members of law enforcement at high levels saying, look, this is dangerous. This is telling us that we no longer have the legal authority to remove somebody who's on your property, clearly trespassing uh, at the time. Or doing whatever. I guess. I guess there's a limit to what they can do. But on trespass alone, we can't really do anything about it. And then it's up to you. And God forbid, Todd, all of a sudden one of these unregistered assault weapons happens to be utilized in your own home or your own business. Suddenly, that homeowner, that free sovereign individual, is the criminal, Todd. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. If you haven't got it registered and you use it to defend yourself, maybe you're going to be in trouble. Uh, it, it's it's really just heavy posturing. And I think it's just pushing to see how far people can get. I think we need to give Sheriff Booker uh, credit where credit's due. Uh, he's in Whiteside County, which isn't technically part of the Quad Cities metro area. It's just it's a, a adjacent county to uh, Rock Island County and Henry County and the Quad Cities. Uh, Sheriff John F. Booker and um I'm going to read you his from his and we have his news release at our website, but he says, therefore, as the custodian of the jail and chief law enforcement official for Whiteside County, that neither myself nor my office will be checking to ensure that lawful gun owners register their weapons with the state, nor will, nor will we be arresting or housing law abiding individuals that have been arrested solely with non-compliance of this act. And these get in, this gets into the weeds of where I've claimed for many years, since 2013, since I first went to the first uh, uh, Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association convention in Las Vegas. And I've learned a ton since then about the power of the sheriff um, to protect our Bill of Rights. But the sheriff typically is also the one who runs the jail. So if you're a state trooper and you want to arrest somebody, or even a city cop and you want to arrest somebody, if the sheriff says, hey, I don't think the arrest you made was, is lawful, I'm not housing him or her. You know, that's another way that sheriffs can nullify things. So there's lots of ways the sheriff can make a overzealous executive branch frustrated. And we're excited to see that other sheriffs picked up the bit. I sent uh, Rock Island County Sheriff Darren Hart, who recently won election last fall. Uh, he's the first term sheriff in Rock Island County. Sheriff Booker's uh, news release uh, that morning, uh, Thursday morning, and asked him if what, where he stood on it and if he would include us in his response. I did not get a response from him, but 
at another website I manage, qcatoday.com. If you go there, you'll see, I think that's the headline that the Quad City Times uh, featured Darren Hart stating he was joining the ranks of other sheriffs like Knox County and Whiteside County that was against this law. He doesn't go to my knowledge. I haven't seen his specific statement of what he will and won't do, but he's leaning into not uh, not abiding by it. Yeah, he opposes the law. Well, okay, yeah, that's one thing to oppose it, but does it mean you're going to uphold it? That's a different question. So hopefully we'll get some more clarity on that coming up. Well, we need clarity on it because right now the economy, in my opinion, is at an unprecedented point where more and more people are making less and less money, are working less and less on top of that. And we don't have an 8% inflation rate. Obviously, the big talking point right now is eggs. And because we've been conditioned, we're not looking at petroleum as much because they, they got it to that almost $5 tipping point, sometimes going over in certain areas. And they brought it back from the precipice. You see, for instance, Joe Biden even tweeting out, look at this, more families have more money via gas. But our electric bills are higher. Some places in this country, if you're if you're talking about uh, California and New York and others, it's almost to those European levels where you're seeing three to five times the bill of just last year. You know, I very much think that we're now mm. at a point where they don't have to admit to crime going up, which it clearly has, especially in urban uh, areas and big cities, New York, Chicago amongst them, uh, the crime levels are out of control. I think we're headed to those crime levels continuing to increase and they want to disarm you. They don't want people who all of a sudden are now feeling the burn and maybe aren't as beholden to the societal values or mores that we've all been accustomed to in our social contract with each other because Todd, they have to eat. It, it could get that bad, and and this this is this agenda of gun control has has been prevalent for decades. I mean, it's it's always been on the agenda. It's been part of Agenda Twenty One. It's part of all kinds. Any any tyrannical agenda doesn't want people to have uh, self defense. It, it's you do wonder. I mean, he knew he knew this was going to fall. Pritzker, for those who don't live in Illinois, I mean, Cook County is where Chicago is, and that's where the cesspool of 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 crime is effectively in the state. And um, uh, beyond Springfield, the white collar crimes in Springfield, the blue collar crimes in Chicago. I used to live in Springfield, so I can speak to this. And uh, um, it's called downstaters. You know, people that are outside of Cook County, everybody outside of Cook County is effectively a downstater, you know, and it's like, no, what? Talk, try to talk to people on the border of Kentucky and Southern Illinois about this. Like, I mean, I don't think they need to report on it, that the sheriff's standing up. You know, that's how commonplace it would be down there to go, no way. So you got to wonder what the true agenda is. You know, is it just a gin up? Hey, the Republicans need to raise more money. Let's pass a shitty bill so the Republicans can start fundraising. I, I seriously think that happens. I they think it happens as well. I mean, that's that's how a lot of these things are, uh, you know, greasing the wheels behind the scenes. Yep. And, you know, you get all this rhetoric. And what I what I like right now is, first of all, you, you're not afraid to talk about the Republican establishment and the Democratic <laughs> establishment and how they work with one another. And right now you're focusing on this uh, voter registration commission. Tell us about that. Well, this this came to my attention from Kathleen, and it's a, a South Dakota uh, event that happened yesterday. The, the state central committee of the Republican Party of South Dakota met yesterday, and they on the part of the agenda was to uh, change the bylaws 
so that the uh, delegates in the precincts at the down at the county level uh, were removed and that they were uh, uh, that the state central committee installed their own slate of of um, precinct people precinct committee chair people or depending on how you read it it could be that we're just going to strip the precinct uh, delegates um, um, power to vote in any of the processes moving forward so there's a kind of couple things going on at once and it's a result of I don't know if you've heard of the precinct uh, um, precinct strategy. There's been a lot of people over the last several years, you know, especially during the Trump run-up, to talk about precinct strategy. And there's Tracy Beans talks about it all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, it, it, back in the Ron Paul days, we did the precinct strategy organically. It was it was the you know the, lo the lowest common denominator is at your precinct where you live, and there's a caucus at the beginning of each electoral cycle. So the Democrats have a caucus, Republicans have a caucus, Libertarians have a caucus, Greens have a caucus. The caucus is truly a straw poll. It's it's there's nothing like who won the caucus in the state doesn't really matter. It's who got elected as the precinct committee people, committee chairs in those precincts, because those are the people that make up the party in the county. And then when it comes time to move to a district convention, it, you you nominate uh, uh, precinct committee chair people to be a delegate at the uh, district convention. And these people made it that far. By these people, I mean grassroots, conservatives, call them what you want, First Americas, America Firsters, MAGAs, whatever you want to call them. Well, let's, let's stop right there. Yeah. These are the people that understand now that the system is corrupt, said, not in my backyard, yep, actually, right. be actually believe in the principles. And, you know, we talk a lot about getting a hold on your state and local levels whether that be city commissioner or you're on some kind of a board somewhere or a council or even obviously state senate congress etc there are ways mm -hmm. to get involved mm -hmm. and these are people that believed in that and we already can see the massive amount of corruption that we've had build up over the past 20 years that was highlighted in my opinion via the midterms and Carrie Lake yeah. and Herschel Walker and, and, and Blake and Masters and all I these people. I, I was mixing and matching here because these are two tertiary topics. You actually, I think, led in with the voter rolls. I think that's what you yeah, were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I jumped over to the South Dakota thing, which is kind of related, but not totally. And I apologize. Well, well, I mean, it, it shows that the people. manipulation of the system on one end, they want to yeah. control who comes in. It doesn't matter how, how hard you work and how many legitimate votes you get. And even if you can audit it at that point. But then on the back end, they want to ensure if you're somehow able to circumvent that system, Todd, right, right. they can they can screw you big time. They can fist you lake style. And then <laughs> and then, Todd, they can just say, sorry, no audit. You have no right to these things, even as a civilian after the fact to try to so, yeah. show a historical so, record. So, so let's talk about what. So there's two. So let's table the, the whole precinct strategy for a second. And that's about uh, dirty inside politics, inside a private party system, which happens to be governed by code, by the way, in Iowa specifically, I, I've looked it up today, revisited the stuff we did over 10 years ago, and there's Iowa code that governs how precinct committee people are dealt with with regards to being able to convene a convention and move and so forth. So that's its own little animal. Then in in Iowa, recently it's come to our attention um, that, uh, let me pull it up here, that the uh, it used to be that anybody who asked for the uh, voter rolls could get a copy of the voter roll database in the state that effectively showed who are the registered voters. And the database will show, and I've I've actually pulled a database for the, over a million records before from the Secretary of State years ago when I was helping John Narcissus run for governor. I just went back to my project management thread. I've got all the details about it, and I'm starting to dive back deep into it. 
right now, the voter rolls came up as a, as a major uh, asset and component of election integrity because of all the things going on, all the skullduggery that's gone on in the past four and five years. So people are trying to pay attention to, wow, if you have centralized counting at the secretary of state level, even though you have 99 counties in Iowa and you know, thousands of precincts throughout the, the state, when it goes up the ladder into central counting to be tested against the voting roll at, at the top level, and then those that, those data gets kicked back to, to the precincts and the counties to be reported to the public, they can jigger the voting roll up here to show they had more people on the voting roll. They just added the votes in or they needed less. There's just too much area for manipulation. So what people are doing is they're saying, let's get a mark in time of what the voter roll looks like so we can have a, a effectively, you know, a, a baseline and see, okay, did the, how did the voter roll change over the next last two weeks? And there are people who are, who are like really hyper-focused on this. And a voter roll will show you lots of information. It'll show you what you're registered. It'll show if you voted in a primary or not which is a key thing for people who are trying to get, you know, win a primary. There's all kinds of data there. It's, you know, metadata. It's, it's all public and there's a whole reason why it's public. And we can, we can thank uh, former uh, New Yorker, uh, not former Bob Schultz, a fellow New Yorker like you from the We the People Foundation who, who won a lawsuit at the state Supreme Court level uh, when uh, the libertarians needed a governor candidate because Howard Stern backed out last minute. They asked Bob if he would run for governor. He said, I don't want to be governor. I hate politics. He said, but I do want to prove a point with regards to access to voter rolls and voter registration data. And he took it all the way to the state Supreme Court. And from there, everybody should, could have access to the voter rolls. And it, it trickled out through all the rest of the states because previously you had to pay for it. Depending on who was in power, you had to pay more to get the voter rolls. It's ubiquitous data. Has been for a long time. But now, now the people are starting to pay attention to voter rolls. In Iowa, they're going to change the rules. They're going to they're going to change the rules too. And I'm trying to pull that document up real quick here, Jason, that I sent uh, a link to. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Voter Registration Commission. Um, and they're trying to change the rules so that uh, here we go. You got it up? I don't know yep. if you do or not. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and we go down to. Let's see. Where's the detail about the rule change? Are we looking at purpose of summary right here? The commission undertook a review of all its rules. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It yes. says these proposed amendments conform the commission's rules with the Iowa code, provide updates to citations and clarify which version of the Iowa voter registration application is quote unquote official. The proposed amendments to chapter three include clarifying that voter list uh, requests must be made in writing and what information the requester is required to provide and providing a clearer definition of political purpose that is already utilized in the Iowa code. So you can see how they want to parse political purpose for guess what, political reasons. Seems to me checking the voter rolls for voter integrity is as good a purpose as anything. I don't know why it's even be coming into question. It's coming into question because more people are looking under the hood, Jason. That's why it's coming into question. I mean, and, it's an apolitical matter yeah. <laughs> to be able to audit as much as humanly possible your supposedly free and fair elections in a democracy, Todd. In a democracy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. I've I've come to the realization, Jason, that it's the government's democracy and it's the people's republic, and they want to. The government wants to protect its democracy, and the people have lost track of defending their republic. I mean, it's even That's, an inversion of their uh, of what democracy means. That's the craziest thing, because even in a democracy, you have to get the votes. You know, if 51 percent of the folks are up against 49 percent or even if it's a nuts hair of 50.1 percent 
to 49.9%. That's at least a true democracy. I'm sorry. I don't have faith or believe that Katie Hobbs won in a democracy. I don't believe she got more votes than Carrie Lake. Am I bad? Is that is that blasphemy? Is that outrageous? I don't believe that Joe Biden got 81 million legitimate votes for president and beat Donald Trump. I don't believe that. It's the noble lie. It's the noble lie. We needed it. It's it's you got to you got to have the noble lie. Noble lies do not justify ignoble acts, which is one of the headlines in our current issue about the J6 folks we can talk to talk about if we have time. But on this uh on this topic, I'm, I'm going through this gentleman's email who's on top of this here in the locally in the state. He's, he's a big time um, election integrity uh, advocate who's been at this for many, many months, ever since the uh, Center for uh, Technical and Civic Learning started putting private money into uh, swing states and swing counties like Iowa and Michigan and Wisconsin. This guy has been on top of this. And he's saying also, um, uh, also in the proposed change to this uh, administrative rule, a signed statement would be required to acknowledge that written permission is required from the Iowa Secretary of State's office before the list could be shared with other concerned citizens. This is overly restrictive and puts these con con conscientious citizens in the position of having a single authority in the Secretary of State's office tell us how we can use and share this information. So this let me just stop everybody. I, I, I wanna explain to people what you just said. You go out, you go through the proper channels of, say, a Freedom of Information Act request, and you file the paperwork. You put it in writing, like you said. Then they give you the documents. Then only you are allowed to have the documents. And well, that's, even that hasn't been that hasn't been stated yet. This is a we're at the early stages of this. Uh, this. Uh, well, you just said you couldn't share them with others, right? Well, or having a single authority. These conscious citizens in the position of having a single authority tell us how we can use and share this information. I don't know if that's true or not. This is this is why it's all gray. Well, like, I mean, that's my point. It, if if they're telling you not just how you can use it, okay, so so or whether I, you can share it or not. I, I, yeah, I mean, let's just assume at least in 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 use, you'll be able to view it. <laughs> Well, you know, you're not going to just get to taste well, the documents. I mean, it's not quite defined. But when we talk about the word share, there isn't. Yeah a real ambiguous thing going on here all right well it, it kind of begets like do we need an iowa wikileaks like hey a candidate runs for office runs for a statewide office that, that requires you know can have access to all of the database for all the state because you're just running for a local county office why would you need you know the rest of the state you're not you're not, you're not going to give it to you but if you are a statewide candidate which was what john narcissus was when he ran for governor's independent you got the whole voter database so you get it and then you just dump it on the internet here it is everybody End of administrative rule. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have to go to the, a freaking embassy and hide if you did that? Well, I mean, look at the precedent they're trying to set with Assange right now. Um, there are finally some very, very faint voices in mainstream journalism that are... I do. Thank you for the mute. I did mute myself. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Yep, there's the old muted. That's that's. Uh, I, I do appreciate that.
<clears throat> whenever I play a video that long, I do. I gotta, I gotta make sure to check that. So we're going to the premium end, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason or slash uncensored. You can still listen if you have the Podbean app. Just look for the Info Warrior. We're going to be live. That's a little less than uh, half of the McGreevy interview. I'm also going to do a, a Davos wrap up. There's several videos I want to go over, including uh, the WEF Open Forum in harmony with nature. We're going to be doing that. Come on, we, we got the sound back, guys. I see it in the in the chat there. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, guys, uh, like I said, we are going to head on over to redvoicemedia.com. Watch the rest on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1. All right. See, that does seem, though, a little bit short. Not to knock the producers on the bumper, uh, but it doesn't give my one producer a whole lot of time. Um, we should probably bump that up to like 30 seconds to a minute because at the same time, I'm blocking out here and I'm ending uh, four separate broadcasts and I want those guys to be able to see at least the vast majority of that and maybe knock it out at the last uh, 10 seconds. We're doing live notes on air. I'm going to wait for my text that we are good to go. And I think that we have, what, a couple of seconds here. Again, we're going to get right back into uh, the McGreevy interview, which Todd is just a, a really insightful, smart guy, um, a, a long time in uh, the independent journalistic field, in the print field, you know, which I, I completely and totally respect. And I think um, it is one of the more impressive things in this day and age uh, to keep up with that medium that I also think is important and needs to be continued. And you want a physical record of things. Uh, so there is my text right there, and they are good to go. So let us continue with that McGreevy interview. Got to have the proper spectacles. They're saying, okay, now it's getting dark and outrageous. We don't want this trial in D.C., but by all accounts, this this has been uh, a locomotive, however slow moving at points, to bring him here and legitimize the idea that you do not tell the truth about the United States military industrial complex and its allies, whether they be other nation states or those in industry, period. And obviously, it's not just the United States because we're talking about global collusion. You know, the United States is captured in many ways. And that's kind of a good segue, Todd, into what you uh, just briefly mentioned. These January 6th trials uh, that are now officially starting. It's Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day on Monday. So uh, it, they will be taking place again on Tuesday. What are your thoughts here? Um, we, we have a jury. Uh, opening statements and all that are, are now underway. Tario and uh, Joe Biggs looking at many years in prison. Uh, there's a certain media narrative. And uh, I believe Norman Pattis is is facing some uh, legal troubles. I think they're trying to have him removed if they haven't already. I don't know how much everybody's actually following this. Um, but uh, you could probably go watch the space uh, that has just occurred with Kara Castronova. And uh, my girlfriend, Alicia Powell, who's been on the scene and in the courtroom uh, via the Gateway Pundit. And um, 
you know, what, what is your take on this? Because you see this narrative around. We're in the Midwest. Obviously, there are a lot of people that are not buying into the narrative. But at the same time, my friend, you know, we are on the border of Illinois. I think yeah. a lot of people have uh, bought into, a lot, you know, I still see people all masked up, in gloves sometimes, having mm. nervous breakdowns. That's still going on. Today, I actually took a picture while I was in traffic because old timer in his uh, four-wheel drive vehicle, he's got an American flag hanging out oh, one no. end and a Ukrainian flag hanging oh, out the other. And he's wearing a mask. I, he wasn't wearing a mask. He had a oh. big old beard. No, he's just, he's, he, he doesn't like Russia. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, who knows? But my point is that, you know, all of these narratives are out there. The, they're the inverse of reality in many cases. You can't have a legitimate discussion, quote unquote, in, in the mainstream. And now these show trials are going on in America, in America, but they're not show trials to the people that are still locked up, Todd. Well, I tell you, I'm trying to send you a link to this cartoon, which if you could bring this up on the screen, it could, it, it, it encloses all of my thoughts about this um it's the one that ed did for this current issue i'm going to chat this one right here report. your servant governor no that that's an old one um let me get to the chat here where's the little chat there we go let me just paste this in here if you go there and you'll scroll down to the uh if you saw that in the chat um, oh uh yeah i don't really have the chat open right now todd but, oh. but, but tell us about it and i'll and i'll get it uh if you just go to the reader's website and go to commentary in the top uh uh menu bar uh -huh. go to commentary i got it right scroll. here todd just yeah. can tell us about it while, while i bring it up well it's it shows a, it shows a woman there it is yeah if you could click on that it should come up and, and maybe fill the screen because it's and um go, go full on, yeah should, open, open a new window up. yeah then go full screen on it, please. I think you'll find this really interesting. Um, you know, here's the uh, the uh, teacher of the children saying, sometimes children, our government has to do things they don't that don't seem very nice. Um, and they include uh, key responses to select January 6th protesters. One, unreasonable search and seizure. Two, imprisonment without trial. Three, solitary confinement. It shows some illustrations for, you know, in kind of children's uh, book uh, illustration. And then it has uh, homework, uh, study the oath of office on the side. So children sometimes have to do some mean things, especially when hundreds of thousands of citizens peacefully petition for redress of grievances from their constitutionally guaranteed republic. Then she goes on to the third panel and says, sometimes these mean actions are necessary to protect the government's democracy. Otherwise, civically engaged citizens could turn America into uh, what, Johnny? And Johnny pipes up on the fourth panel and says, a police state? And the teacher says, exactly. <laughs> we have these people got to go down and we will have a police state, Jason. That's why these people have to go down that are in trial in D.C. right now. Do I think about it? I think it's going to be a railroad job. I think it's you can't get a fair trial in D.C. I, I, I was the attorney. I don't know if they can move for a different venue, different jurisdiction, not a jurisdiction, but a different venue. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel bad. I feel terrible for these people. And I, I think AmericanGulag.org is is, is another site that uh, uh, they're, they're involved with, right? I mean, there's a lot of people right now. You you have Mickey Whithoff, uh, who's been down at the jail since August at night vigils uh, for a lot of the January 6th detainees. Uh, Randy Ireland, former Proud Boy, down there. Uh, numerous organizations, but obviously it hasn't broken through the mainstream. And mm -hmm. you're not seeing it, for instance, 
on Fox News. There's still a lot of people uh, on that network that are going mm-hmm. with the insurrection uh, narrative, right? That they're going with the main line, old school, kind of rhino Republican view of things. And um, even the so-called alternatives within OAN and Newsmax haven't, uh, haven't, in my opinion, covered it uh, nearly enough. No one's really no. covered it nearly no. enough. And no. like, like you said, you know, they, they wanted to change a venue. They didn't get it. I think their best bet, unfortunately, is going to be on appeal. Uh, mm-hmm. unfo- unfortunately to me, I, you know, a lot of people aren't, my, my girlfriend in particular, isn't happy that I'm taking that viewpoint, especially, you know, she's like, I'm there, I'm on the scene. She's like, we've got a few good jurors. So maybe you get- It takes a, one or two. It just takes one, really. It may, just takes well, one to well, let me say it. this. Maybe you get a, a, a hung juror on one or two of the charges right. Right. and you don't get the max- It'd be amazing if they nullified it, though. I doubt it. I I think that you're going to get convictions on on most, if not all, charges. You're in the biggest cesspool there is there, District of Columbia. And and you're going to look at like 20 plus years. And I don't I don't like that. I'm not happy. What 20 plus years? I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're going to see sentences of like 20 plus years. Oh, gosh. No, that's just. Well, I mean, if somebody actually was violent and somebody, you know, they've proven that's fine. But but, so this is one of the things I write about in this current issue, the reader as well. Um, Petitioning for the redress of the bamboozle is the title of my article. And uh, um, I cite uh, Carl Sagan talking about once you've taken the bamboozle, you you hold on to it and you don't go back, you know, and that it's tough to get to walk things back once you've swallowed the bamboozle. And a lot of people swallowed that this was an insurrection and violence all that because of all the charades that. That the Congress did with uh, with giving put the putting the guy's body lying it in state who, who died for, from a heart attack a day or two after J6 nothing to do with the uh, a medical examiner in writing saying it had nothing to do with January 6th but they put his body in state and they brought all these people in and gave him medals of honor just the charade the total charade if you read the Capitol Police's own news releases they say yes while the medical examiner we we don't dispute the medical examiner's uh, review of the cause of death but that doesn't change the fact that he died under uh, by while defending our democracy and defending the congress and all this stuff so people are buying that bamboozle what i propose is that this is part of the first and protected first amendment what people were doing there they were petitioning for redress of grievance the grievance was there are problems with the election yes we think some stuff is rigged the people that were there many of them and we want you to make sure you go through the electoral college process by pausing and reviewing those problems. And technically, if they had followed that, there should have been some hearings. When when you have the joint session, the Congress and uh, Senate and House, they can say, yeah, you know what? We've got some problems in Arizona, some problems uh, in uh, uh, Nevada. We, we People have come forward. We, we There's a preponderance of evidence here that warrants us to put a pause and let's investigate. Heaven forbid there be transparency. No, they got the, the, the false flag that happened that allowed them to stop and act like they're all going to die and so forth. And then they just rushed, came back and rubber stamped the Electoral College. So where I'm going with all this is that's petitioning. And if you look at the First Amendment, there are five clauses that are protected by the First Amendment. And, you know, religion, speech, assembly, uh, press, and uh, right to petition for redress of grievance. The first four have all been adjudicated at the highest levels of the Supreme Court. There's been cases and contraries that have been brought forward where there's a body of law about how those four should operate and be protected and what, what nuances are within all the different circumstances. The fifth one is one that has never been adjudicated, petitioning for redress of grievances. Because, my God, if, if we actually have to give an answer to that, we might have to answer petitions. And this is what happens. And again, back to Bob Schultz, because he's the granddaddy of petitioning for redress of grievances with We the People Foundation. And he got all the way to the Supreme Court numerous times with the help of thousands of volunteers and tons of donors and so forth. And every time he got up there, 
He was told by the courts, the lower courts, I think it was the 11th Court of Appeals. Uh, yes, the Patriot Act, you've, you've, you've petitioned for redress. You've been harmed. You, you, you think you have standing. Sorry, sir. You, your harm is no particularly different than everybody else's harm. Everybody else is equally as harmed by the violation that we have uh, put upon the American citizens. And subsequently, you have no standing. We're not going to hear the case. Go away. And this is what people were doing. This is the most peaceful remedy there is, is to stand and protest. It's all wrapped into one. That's the ultimate expression of the First Amendment that day, the ultimate expression and trying to petition for redress. And there's no other way to, to cause people to say that are inside those doors to go, wow, we might want to actually uphold our oath of office. There's a lot of people back there that really want us to do the right thing. And that's peti peaceful petitioning. So let's take the numbers. A thousand people have been arrested approximately, maybe more soon. Who knows? But let's just use that number as a round figure. And let's just give the hypothetical that all 1,000 are violent extremists, insurrectionists, and all deserve to have the hammer come down on them, all of them, which is totally not true in any way, shape, or form. But let's just give it that number. And if you are the most uh, Trump derangement syndrome person in the world, would you say that there was 100,000 people in D.C. that day? I think you might even acknowledge there was 100,000 people. I think there's more like a million. You were there, Jason. You probably have a number, but let's just say it's 100,000. 1% of the people are bad actors, if the hypothetical scenario we just talked about is accurate. 1%, 99% of them were peacefully petitioning for a redress of grievance. But we're going to throw all that out the window over the 1%, the little tiny 1%. What happened to democracy? What about the 99% who are petitioning for a redress? And if it's a million people, which I think is way more closer to a million people, then we're talking one-tenth of one percent, and that's if they were all guilty of some violent crime. So this is a charade of the highest order, and it, we have political prisoners amongst us, Jason. It is bad, very bad. Uh, it's very bad because the seditious conspiracy charge, which Biggs and Oterio are, are facing, is 20 years, up to 20 years. And oh, obviously man. they're facing other charges on top of it. Uh, the big sell that they want is that seditious conspiracy. And as we've been talking about, uh, it's very vague as to what exactly a seditious conspiracy is. And when you're going to have a judge that is, uh, is surely going to allow uh, the type of evidence that they used in the Sto Stuart Rhodes and Oath Keepers case and then block other types of evidence, um, you know, the same. When I say other types, I don't mean different uh, types of text messages. I mean, different text messages. So certain right. text messages are going to be allowed. Exculpatory. Yes, some are not going to be allowed. Exculpatory evidence won't be forthcoming, no. And the judge will probably say that we can't allow that as evidence. And there's going to be jury instructions. I've sat in these these rooms where the, for jury uh, trials and just seen people just get railroaded. It, it's it's just bad. But it, it it's potentially your only chance. Um, it's it's a gamble. You know, it's a high risk, potentially high reward. It's not low risk, high reward. It's high risk. Low risk, high reward is showing up at your precinct and getting involved in the party to try and change politics. That's low risk, high reward. Low risk is standing outside with a sign saying, you know, do the right thing, obey your obey your oath of, of office. And uh, high risk is going up to the building and walking in, which you and many others that were there said, no, I'm not going up there. That's nonsense. Well, so, I, you know, again, I, I was on the Capitol. I didn't go into the Capitol. Right. Um, I, I did get quite uh, a bit of footage of the actual violence that was taking place 
on the second level. I know I gave you access to that entire Absolutely. folder. And we published it in our January edition in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and, 20, and I think it's 22, a, 22 last year. Yeah. No, and I yeah. think it's important for everybody to see, you know, I, I kept my mouth shut most of the time. Um, my comment, you know, it wasn't much commentary. There's a couple of videos where maybe I give some commentary, but you kind of get to judge for yourself, whatever you're seeing. You know, you were uh, man on the street. It was outstanding. The footage you took there. And there were some stupid people doing stupid shit. Absolutely. Totally. Mm -hmm. The wire cutters, right? Like there's yeah. the wire cutter people. Obviously that sledgehammer is no bueno. Um, you know, you, 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 again, you had a large group of people. I think the people that committed any kind of crimes, whether it was property damage or blowing out a window or any type of violence, you charge them with that. Those crimes exactly. are on. The, exactly. Uh, yeah. Those we, crimes we, are on the Will you do me a favor and go to a, a browser and go to rcreader.com slash tags slash Jan6, please? rcreader.com slash tags slash Jan6. You can also get to it by going to the January 6th icon on our right column on a desktop layout. You'll see a, 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 a icon. We have about four or five icons. Yeah, I'm there at the uh, January tags. 6th place. Sure. And if you scroll down on that, you, your viewers can see some of our coverage. That's the most recent article there. And then there's there's the one I just wrote. But keep going a little bit further. Um, we mentioned that about election integrity in there. Keep going a little further. I want to get down to the ones we did a year ago. That's our 1,000th issue where we covered some Jan 6 stuff. Keep going. There's the one we did a year ago. That's uh, Kathleen's piece. And below that is, is the one where um, if you hit the back button once there and then scroll down just a little more. There it is. That's the piece. If you click on that one, please. That's the one where we asked uh, you included and four others that were there. Clyde Cleveland, Corey uh, Ibe. Um, oh, shoot. Um, who else? Here. And I took um, that picture, by the way. That's one of the yeah. places I was. Yeah. Everybody, it looks. Listen, it looks pretty racist there. I see all the Confederate and Nazi flags. Oh, wait. Well, yeah, there's a lot of Trump stuff going on, but I mean, you guys, when you when you read the accounting it, firsthand of people, and we ask, I think a dozen questions, so there's some, so there's some kind of a, a, some structure to what people are reporting. We ask questions about what they observe, what they observe with the police, what they observe with the crowds, what they observe with um, why they were there, what do people tell them why were they there, why they were there, and so forth. It's it's what's worth reading. It's a firsthand account that you're not going to see anywhere else. I mean, it, it in, in our view, it's a really good. Um, Look at this. One of them is um, a, a former journalist who's from Illinois, who's a former Democrat, you know, and is, is completely into into uh, paying attention to the details. It was Corey, Sarah Ford, yeah, and Pat Militich. Yeah, you know Pat, of course. When I forget Pat, yeah, and Corey, yeah. And anyway, it's it's worth checking out. I, anyway, you can if you go to the Reader's website, you'll see the icon on the right side. It has J J six, and you can drill down on what we've talked about. And we're going to continue keeping the coverage on this because, I mean, we're not doing as good a job as Gateway Pundit because we're not there, and I and we should probably talk about reprinting some of their stuff in our paper to our readership locally here because boots on the ground in those rooms is going to be key uh, to try and tell the story. I hope it. Does, I don't know, Jason. It's 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 a dark day uh, when when people who are you know petitioning for redress grievances are getting railroaded. A lot of them have taken plea deals because they were told they were going to be uh, brought up on terrorist charges. They didn't take the, the shortcut and well, just agreed. Well, you know, they probably would have. I mean, they, it's the seditious conspiracy. You might as well be the terrorist, right? And yeah. if you're in D.C., you might as well be the terrorist because your chance of coming out there with a not guilty verdict. You know, a lot of people are like, well, look at Kyle Rittenhouse. This ain't the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. All right, I hate everybody. I hate to tell everybody this ain't the same thing. This is not the same incident. There's not 
Uh, there's not like seven different camera angles on basically one person mm. and what happens there. There's not survivors that were armed sit sitting on the bench getting getting cross-examined going, yeah, no, I did pull the gun on him. <laughs> right, right. I mean, once that happens, it, it, it's not set up that way. This trial, these trials are, are set in nebulous terms. You know, it's not that person shot, that person's dead. Democracy's under attack, everybody. Right, if right. you didn't hear, yeah. did you did, did you did you go did you step outside the lines? Mm. Did you did you not, you know get out the, outside the velvet rope? I really had to pee, Judge. They had no urinals. They had no uh, porta potties throughout all of DC. Did, did you did you see that? You know, we really had to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that does not make an insurrection trying to get into the buildings. You know, use the can. So speaking of hours, do you think that these 14,000 hours will be released? I mean, if there's nothing to hide, obviously, why hide it? This is such a you know, oh, no. cliche Oh, no, it's situation. not good. They're not getting released. I, um, who was it? I, you know, I, I did Making Sense of the Madness a couple, maybe two, three. You know, time flies, Todd. I was out in Virginia, so it was Christmas time. Right. Um, and, and he, this gentleman, who uh, I believe he's part of the law team uh, for some of these January 6th defendants, uh, he ha he says he has access to all 14,000 hours and he's seen things, but he's not allowed to release them. He said, uh, I, I, there's an interview. I'll have to send it to you. Uh, can you, can you bring actually, it into court as evidence? Well, he's, I think he's part of the, I, I want to say he's one of the lawyers. He's one of the representatives. He should have access through discovery. I, I believe he does, but he can't, you know, give if he'd have to do a WikiLeaks style dump. I, oh, I, I, I'm not even worried about that this second. I mean, hopefully for the purpose of the, the guy who's the defendant. And actually, the word defendant is a terrible word. It's the accused is what it is. But defendant makes it sound like you're sure. going to defend yourself. When actually, they should prove you're guilty before you defend yourself. They need to prove you're guilty. Mm -hmm. You're the accused. But anyway, for, for the accused, uh, if he has access to that footage, then he could bring it in. The jury can see exculpatory evidence. That would be killer. Yeah, but I, I think that he's uh, limited into even one. Let me see if I can find. I'm trying to think. was it where Where was I? There's Randy Ireland. I want to say... Was I home when I did that, that those interviews? See, I'm boring people now. That's all but, right. But, but, fine. <laughs> but, yeah, you're looking but, it up. You're pulling it together. Here it is. Um, yeah, no, no. That's, this is the guy. Trannis Evans. Uh, Trannis Evans. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? I'll do a little search really here. Trannis yeah. Evans in January Do it 6th. live. Yeah, we do it live, sort of. <laughs> Trannis Evans. But I did, uh, I, I did at least a half an hour with him. And let's see. And so, what's happening with the Ray Epses of the world? Are there are there gonna, are those guys just get a free pass? They're they're bye bye. I mean, he was he was he was sentenced, um, to three years of probation. So he already Epps? yes he did. So For not, what? Part taking part in uh, January sixth. Okay. Actions. Okay. All right. So he got a little slap on the hand. Three yes, three years did. probation. Yeah. And who and who? Uh, I forget what it what exactly it was he had. Um, th there's his court case right there for disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, uh, parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. So, um, yeah, he got three years probation for that. So he must, I, I think maybe through being a defendant, he had access. I'd have to go back to the interview. It was, uh, let's see, probably it was just before Christmas. So okay. I will look up uh, the trend. It's on it's on Rumble if people want to see it. I don't know if I published that one on Rockfin or not. It might be on Rockfin. I want to move it. on, though, Todd. Yes. Okay, and I want to get to uh, these two stories that are uh, pretty important. 
you've got this one up on the uh, RC reader. Iowa doctor and former uh, senator oh, yes. accuses boards of unlawfully endangering Iowans. And you won't see it in the national news, although you should. Uh, just days ago, Syracuse judge strikes down New York vaccine mandate for health workers. Rule state overstepped its authority and said had no basis to do so, especially in retrospect, when in fact it does not stop the spread. This is over at Syracuse.com. Again, should be a national news story. It's barely being whispered, Mr. McGreevy. Dr. David Hartsuch, former state senator David Hartsuch here in Davenport, Iowa, uh, is has filed suit just before Christmas. Optically, bad time to do it if you want to get some press. But he, he did get it in. He got it filed in Scott County. And he is suing the uh, Iowa uh, Medical Board and the Iowa Pharmacy Board uh, together and to to actually for them to actually uphold the law and, and, and operate lawfully because they're operating unlawfully when they are uh, dictating to pharmacists and doctors to not uh, allow doctors to prescribe ivermectin and hydrochloroquine. And uh, he has all kinds of evidence of how they've done this. And one of his patients went to a pharmacy uh, to get ivermectin and was asked, uh, is this for COVID or this? And the, I guess he answered yes. And he said, this isn't FDA approved for, for by the dose. There's, there's some gray area about why the pharmacist is wiggling out. But technically in Iowa, purportedly, according to, to Dr. Hart, who I trust, uh, the, the uh, the uh, pharmacist isn't allowed to ask about the status of your disease or or what this is for necessarily. I mean, if this is if there's an issue like uh, this, this seems kind of hinky. I don't want to just issue this drug. You're supposed to call the doctor. You're not supposed to address the patient and grill them about what they think. You're supposed to call the doctor, and that didn't happen in this instance. And this patient happened to be informed enough about informed consent, and he filed a, a complaint up against this particular pharmacist with the pharmacy board which then kicked off a two-week investigation of that pharmacist. And they ended that investigation and started a nine-month investigation of David Hartsuch because in the interim, David called up that pharmacist and had a discussion with that pharmacist. And that's when they turned the tables on him and said, no, we're investigating you. And so at the end of that investigation where he was, there was he had no due process, he had no hearing, uh, he had to answer all these interrogatories and he's really smart, knows what he's doing. Uh, and they came back and said, no, you've, you've got a slap on the wrist and here's our, our ruling against you. It's secret. You can't tell anybody what we just ruled against you, uh, but you maintain your license. But if you ever have, if you ever want to go for a, um, a, new, a new license in a new state or you want to get accreditation at a different hospital or a different uh, a type of practice, you have to disclose that you had this blemish on your record. So he calls that a a uh, um, scarlet letter, if you will. Like this, this is their way of punishing him for informing his patient on how to enforce the law. Because we need to rewind a little bit here. There's that whole story there. And that's why he's suing them. But little do people know that over a year ago, uh, Hartsuch petitioned the pharmacy and medical board to change their stance on ivermectin and hydrochloroquine and gave them a bunch of evidence. This current lawsuit has nothing to do with science, nothing to do with evidence, it has everything to do with due process, everything to do with them following the law, First Amendment, petition for this grievance, all that stuff. Prior to that, he did petition and they listened and they changed their rule, their, their, uh, their, uh, uh, they being the pharmacy board's uh, SOPs, we want to call it their, their admonishment to the pharmacist and said, it's okay to prescribe ivermectin and hydrochloroquine based on heart such as petition with science, but they refused to issue it to all of the pharmacists, all of the doctors. And he took them to task and actually had a face-to-face -face meeting with the head of the Department of, of Health and Human Services in Iowa with other legislators there. There's a lot more behind the scenes that led up to this situation. 
Um, and so uh, David is a, a stalwart patriot in, in Iowa, and we're lucky to have him here. And he's he's saved lots of people's lives with basic, basic, um, uh, I call it, a everybody's got a, a, a solution in their kitchen cabinet, frankly, to, to this, uh, to this uh, uh, coronavirus, the cold, that 99.7% of people survive. Well, again, the uh, charade continues, even though the poopy pants puppet was at a car show with the journalist and openly said the pandemic was over. Karine uh, Jean-Pierre assured us he was just distracted by the pretty cars. And then he signed on to the emergency that is the COVID-1984 pandemic. Again, we are still under emergency. And I want to rewind a little bit to what you said. You talked about the suppression of things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and the fix being in there. There's ever more evidence and documentation that obviously that was the case. A bunch of a, uh, a real hate and lies campaign about really saving lives and uh, doing what doctors could. And then people like that who were discussing these solutions amongst others, budesonide being one of them, what do they do? They have a hearing in which they find them guilty of something that we're not even allowed to know about without any real type of due process. Uh, sometimes they're just going to de-license you. At least that's what they're trying to do. What in California through color of law. And I was recently, uh, I got one segment with her. I hope to have her on my show, but over on the show, sometimes I host and uh, I go on from this. We had uh, Sasha Latipova, who uh, was inside the pharmaceutical industry at the highest levels during this, did not understand uh, why the basics were not being deployed and then demonized and realized that this was all defense department run, defense mm -hmm. department driven. And um, in fact, this is a campaign that has been going on in a partnership for decades. And that is how they are actually able to do this to these doctors through color of law, because at the end of the day, you're dealing with edicts authoritative executive orders through the military industrial complex, Todd. That is what enable, has enabled this. And unfortunately, as a culture, first of all, I think that largely most people are ignorant of it. But even those that are extremely aware of it, like you and myself, and you know, people that speak about this kind of things, we've kind of adjusted to it and acquiesced to it. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I mean, it's, it's, we're still in an emergency, huh? I, I, I guess. Oh, wow. I, yeah, you didn't mm, know they they re I, they reimagined yeah. the emergency. Let's, let, when did Biden sign sign the executive order? Hold on, we'll do it. So, Biden signs. Wait, no, I, I do recall hearing that. So I, I'm getting my train of thought back because I was multitasking yeah. there. You said that the, this uh, this decades long partnership with the DoD is what's enabled the current circumstances, and, and I agree with you. I would add to that that the number one enabler of this. Uh, would be the media. The media is the number one enemy and the number one enabler of of the the uninformed consent, of the tyranny, of the of the double standards, of the hypocrisy, of the lockdowns, of the of the people losing their their lives and their and their livelihoods. And um, it, without media uh, malfeasance and cover up, we, we would we would know about all of this. We would know that DARPA was behind all this, and, and it would be widespread, and people would be concerned. And, and no, they're not going to they're not going to divulge all that. That's that's not going to happen. You know, um, I want I, I'm I, uh, 
Jeez. So we, we, in Iowa, there's other doctors doing good things too, that, that are under fire. And so we're, we're lucky to have that here. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing because when they, when they, you know, have, have you seen the, uh, oh, geez, Kathleen just sent this to me today. Uh, maybe you've already talked about it. It's, it's the spars, uh, document. Oh yeah. Spars. Oh, that's old news to Jason Burmis. We yeah, did spars I'm episodes sure two, three and years she, ago. Whitney well, Webb's think, done some really great breakdowns on, uh, spars. Uh, Alex Jones has actually done a really good spars pandemic roundtable yeah. uh, mini documentary. And um, the spars document, uh, essentially, first of all, it tells you uh, how they're going to suppress things on social media. He gives the example of a viral video of a child having an adverse event. It tells uh, you about basically information management and how things uh, can be proposed as not only misinformation, disinformation, but malinformation. Uh, it, it talks about subsequent payouts after the facts, et cetera. Really lays it all down. It's a lovely document. And it's it was, when, when is, the, the title says 2025 to 2028. And I, I, so is that, this is like a-, a Yeah, like I said, so, so, so it basically gives you like the whole layout of three years of Got when it. it's no longer deniable <laughs> that the medicine that they gave you uh, was terrible and had all yeah. these adverse events. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. I'm trying to get a date when this was published. I'm looking I at I want to say now. that one is about 2017, perhaps. You okay. know what? I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. We can, we can yeah, totally it, do that. We can yeah. do that live, kind of. Yeah, I've got the document. It doesn't have it at the beginning. Let's see if it has it at the end. Oh, it'll have it. We'll uh, get it. 2017. Man, I'm good. I am yeah, just, yeah. I'm, I'm sport on 2017 right here. So, so Johns this, Hopkins, it, this is even, this is even more egregious than event 201. Well, it, it's up of a long line, Todd. You know, I, I was playing uh, videos of myself when I was working back in uh, Info, Info Wars in uh, Texas, 2009 and talking about the swine flu and how they were trying to make it two to three shots even then. Um, and, and actually it was Meredith Vieira of all people. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire, uh, was pushing back on this. I wow. have the clip somewhere because we've played it on air. Um, that was a beta test run, and you didn't have the magic box everywhere right. that right. you could you could really implement it. Right. So, you know, you look at that. Uh, lockdown is Contact about that trace. same. Yep. Yep. Yeah, lockdown is about that same time yep. period that it's out that you had the swine flu, and that was kind of a blueprint. If you look at the old... Uh, agenda uh, 2030 uh, documents, right? The Agenda 21 mm -hmm. documents, even the limits of growth. A lot of this stuff is in there. So, yeah. I mean, I think that what you saw with uh, Event 201 in particular, and maybe even the Contagion one that none of us are allowed to see, you know, they showed you 201. 201 yes. was too baseline. Um, you had, you. I, I think you already, if I, here's Jason Burma speculating. Okay, this is me speculating, guys. Number Speculation. one. Yeah, yeah, here's my conspiracy theory. Number one, it's imagination land to believe that the virus was naturally occurring. Didn't happen. It's not It's not real, okay? Everybody. Manufactured. Yeah, no, obviously manufactured. I think that most adults in the room realize it was at least biologically manufactured. Now, if you're still believing in Santa Claus and a child and you want to use the term gain of function. This is a bioweapon. Okay, so then you have to go to well lab leak and cover up in China. That's all bullshit. Okay, if you look at the real dates, 
It looks like you have this virus in New York State easily in October, okay, maybe even before. Of 19. Of 19, when this drill happens, event 201. And we're going to get to that in a second. Yes. So you have one of the worst flu seasons in the country in, in, in modern times. Everybody can look it up in 2019. Horrible flu season. And then in January, you have the outbreaks in China of this thing. Okay. Now, when you start talking about it, China actually says, when I say China, China military officials actually blame the United States of dropping a bioweapon on them. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, at, the, at the Wuhan military games. Okay. Just so everybody knows, that's a fact. <laughs> they did that. They claimed that. China. Yeah, yeah, they made that claim. I'm not saying we did that. I'm saying in October, it clearly seems to me this isn't a leak. This is a seeded bio attack against the whole world. So you can eventually, when you make tests or whatever, have some plausible deniability. It's in the populace when you're mm -hmm. testing for it. Mm -hmm. So now you have this whole attack. It's probably bad, but at the same time, it dissipates at a rapid pace. So it's not as virulent. Right. Who And you may have had a couple rounds of it being seeded, by the way. And what do I mean by mm. seeded? Literally somebody going in with germ warfare and letting it loose somewhere in its most virulent form. But here's how viruses actually work. They get less deadly and virulent as it goes along. So you have to have this progression of medication suppression at the highest level. So you can get ready to inject people with the high level bioweapon based on the virus. OK. Mm. And. You also have to say the flu doesn't exist, which they said it just disappeared on the planet. So you can incorporate the flu and pneumonia and kill those people too, because the virus is dissipated. There's my conspiracy theory. That, that's don't forget, don't forget m most conventional uh, epidemiological or whatever term you want to use, uh, health practices state, don't inoculate at the height of a pandemic. Don't start jabbing people while it's at its height because you're gonna screw up the inoculation moving forward. You need to let the natural uh, uh, the natural uh, immunity move forward at its own pace. Well, well let's talk about that really quick because I think it's important to incorporate that. Another way that you also just totally gaslight everybody is saying natural immunity doesn't exist. Oh yeah, we don't so you, that. So, yeah. so you have to also say on top of all these things that if you've had it, and even yeah. if you've given up your, uh, your uh, your antibodies for the monoclonal antibodies they build, right? Mm -hmm. I think it started with an L or something like that. I forgot it's what they gave Trump, right? Not remdesivir. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had to actively poison people. This right. is right. out of control. So what I think happened was the game was out. They knew they were going to release this thing in October, maybe even September, right? They needed a, a war game. Most of them. I, I bet you'll find out some of these sons of bitches at the top one day, Todd. There'll be some obscure article of somebody that worked within the system. They were on like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin all the way back in September for no apparent reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and what's that Canadian doctor? And I got to find the source on that. He's the guy that says that after uh, SARS-1 uh, uh, or whatever it was, was back in, uh, oh, shoot. The first SARS outbreak in 2000, like yeah, that's seven manufactured. Listen, man, they're all bioweapons, and and they yeah. know it. And then, but but what he was saying was that the DoD and all the all the uh, defense forces in Canada, yeah. North America, went and said, "Hey, ivermectin hydrochloroquine is the way to go, guys. You got to load up on this. This is how you combat yeah, it." Yeah, no, and there's official government internally. documents that that actually yeah. worked for SARS one. Todd, yeah. we're, we're running on an hour. Yep. 
Tell yep. everybody uh, where they can go to support your work. RCReader.com obviously has the yes. best and brightest news stories. Tell us. Tell us well, at least in the Quad Cities, potentially. I wouldn't say the best, but yes, thank you. <laughs> RCReader.com stands for RiverCitiesReader.com, RCReader.com. And uh, we encourage you to you can subscribe for free with your email. Uh, real quick, easy sign up, or you can support us at rcreader.com slash support. You can choose a level. You can pick a, a printed subscription level for $48, and, and we'll mail you a hard copy every month uh, as well. So either way works. Um, and we encourage you to spread the word about what we're trying to share. And we're going to stay on top of the uh, sheriff's uh, We've been dealing with sheriffs for a long time. We, we have really good sheriffs in the Quad Cities. We're very lucky about that. And um, we're going to stay on top of this um, voter, uh, uh, the, the, reg the registration rolls and more. So, Jason, thanks for uh, showcasing the reader on, on, on your network at Red Voice Media. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And thank you, guys. Thumbs it up. Subscribe, share. Thank you for uh, joining redvoicemedia.com slash I'm right back here. I hope you enjoyed that interview. But we've got a little bit more Davos sustainability Klaus Nut Schwab for you. So with the rest of the broadcast, I got a few clips here that I, I want to show you in regards to this very real agenda. And one of them is this idea where we're going to create these 15-minute spaces where you don't need a car. You just want to be in your little space. And it's ridiculous. Look, I loved where I lived prior to moving to Iowa, prior to the COVID-1984 nightmare, prior to the restrictions, prior to the metal signs on my main street, which was a two to five minute walk away that said, please wear a mask outside. Prior to all that. Okay, it was gorgeous. In fact, so many of you that have been on this journey with me over the years, uh, over the last five years knows I would do walk-alongs in the park, which I loved that park, gorgeous park, and not just one park, there were several parks, but the main park, go down to Neewa and do a little, you know, hold it, a selfie stick, talk about whatever. And, and those videos get just as many views on YouTube, if not more than these produced videos, by the way, with like no thumbnail, me with a stupid face and something in the background. Okay. I love those areas. Talk about 15 minutes everywhere. Great. But when I want to leave, I want to leave. What's really nice about it is there's a highway system that's connected to it that if I get in a car, it's a minute to the highway and then I can leave and go and travel and be a free human. And that's not what they want. And the other thing is <clears throat> the language he uses, this gentleman in the in harmony with nature trying to sell you on this is is saying we have to make this the easy choice when i hear that i hear uh when right well what was it leanna when the cnn monster that was pushing hate and lies for your kids masking them up and then being like oh the masks really did damage to kids no kidding but it's the carrot on a stick woman saying, hey, we have to make the good old stuff. That's got to be the easy choice. And the way they make it the easy choice for you is they threaten your job. They threaten your livelihood. 
They threaten your social status. And if they get their way with a fully digital system of a social credit score and a carbon credit, they're going to threaten everything, including not only where you can go, but when you can go there and what you can put in your body and your allotment of protein or whatever they want. That's the sustainability agenda. That's them making it the easy choice. That's what these 15-minute cities are all around. Or, or I'm sorry, all about in harmony with nature. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, what's important for for policy is really to change the the rules of the game. No, so that uh, sustainability becomes the easier choice, not just for the people, but also for the companies. No. So in other words, we'll punish the companies so they punish the people. But really, the way that we'll punish the companies is that the large consortium of billionaires and predator class eugenicists and transhumanists will come together and make it impossible for other companies uh, that resist to exist. All right, so we can impose slavery on everybody else. Also, I think an important measure in Switzerland was to have uh, support for renewable energy, for energy efficiency, but also then um, changing the way districts work. For instance, I, in Zurich, we have a lot of districts where you actually don't need a car because all the activities, you no know, school, um, uh, buying something, everything you can do in walking distance. You no, know? And by doing that, you no know, people don't buy a car and it, 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 it's not felt like um, actually they would like to have a car and, and they're not allowed to have it, but they simply don't need it because the environment was built in a way that they don't need it. And I think this is what policy needs to, to, to do. They have to change the environment. So a sustainable lifestyle, uh, a lifestyle in harmony with nature is the easiest way to go. And, and also for the companies, no? And, and here perhaps a lost. See, this is all false. Let me tell you why it's false. I'm all about, um, you know, think globally, act locally. And I'm all for, again, what I just talked about. I, I loved being able to go and grab a, a drink anytime I wanted. I love being able to go to my favorite pizza shop and right next to it's the coffee shop. I, I loved all those things. But when I wanted to leave, I wanted to leave. Okay, I didn't want everything just 15 minutes away and then I can't go. I don't have a car. That's that's just not real. All right, that's the spin on it. And whenever you hear that term sustainability, it means your standard of living plummets, plummets. That's the mantra. All right, in harmony with nature, the military industrial complex is never going to be in harmony with nature. Big corporations are never going to be in harmony with nature. That's not real. Point. I really like what you said on following through. No, we had all these nice commitments. We had the Paris Agreement. We also here at World Economic Forum have every year very nice co commitments. What's important is really to follow through and also to also shed the light. Sometimes you're very critical with those who are acting. Say there are, and we need to be critical, no, and see that there's no greenwashing, but see there's no greenwashing it's all greenwashing that's the, that's the entire point of this they're not concerned with actual pollution actual harmful things to the human species like genetically modified organisms 
They're not worried about genetic edited materials in our food supply now being injected into our chickens, into our cattle, being brought into our milk supply, having mosquitoes become GMO, openly openly unleashing chimeric beings into our ecosphere. All these people do is greenwash. Carbon, ooh, scary carbon boogeyman, ooh. We should also put the light on those who are not acting. And I think policy needs to try, and I think, for instance, Biden's suggestion to that the government only buys with companies who commit to Paris, who commit to science-based targets. I think that's a smart policy. So if you believe in the science, and Biden's idea, Biden doesn't have any ideas. He has talking points that he can barely spit out because he's a poopy pants puppet zombie. That's how disingenuous these people are. All right. And then they tell you, well, again, this is back to what I was saying before. Either the companies squeeze out the people or the Davos crew will squeeze out those companies. And they'll be glad to enslave humanity under the sustainability agenda, under the equity agenda, into the inclusivity agenda. They can't wait. So that policy tries to leverage also the action from, from companies and somehow gets all companies to act. You no, know? I think this is a smart way to do politics. In the end, policy needs also to be smart because, again, we need to have the buy-in from all the population, else we are not re-elected and um, change is not happening, no? Uh, so it needs to be smart policy, which is at the same time also transformative, no? Oh, it's always transformative. So here, um, you're gonna have John Kerry tell you how, you know, it, it's really remarkable that the Davos crew, him included, have basically been anointed to save the world. They've come together to save the world. How can you oppose billionaires that are telling you they're here to save the world? Okay, they've been anointed. They're a selected group. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives. Billions of dollars. That's what touched you. Billions of dollars, or you were such a vicious uh, social class predator that you were put into a position of power. And, and Kerry was touched with billions of dollars when he when he married into the Heinz family. All right, I believe I believe they got divorced, and later on he moved on. He's he, part of that political. This guy actually runs a lot more of uh, the country than Joe Biden ever could at this point. By the way, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. We've been selected to save the world, all right? But I want to show you they want to do that through genetic editing and the fourth industrial revolution. Okay. There's their genome.
patenting technology that will allow them to redesign whole organisms. All right, rewriting the code of life. This is what the World Economic Forum outwardly wants to do. And we're gonna end it with the sustainability and productivity true meaning from Dennis Bushnell of NASA. You've probably seen it many times, but it never hurts to have this reminder. In fact, prevention of collapse in the ecosystem has now become the overwhelming issue. Uh, current food production is based on freshwater plants, i.e. glycophytes. We're running out of fresh water, as you know. Uh, the code word is sustainability. Uh, the crashing of the ecosystem is due to population growth and the way we're now living, our standard of living. Uh, the estimates vary between 30 and 50% of a planet that we're currently short to uh, sub uh, sustain the standard of living and the, and the current population, much less the population growth. Uh, as the Asians and their billions come up as they are at 9 to 11% growth rate to Western standards of living, we're going to be short three more planets, and they're not readily available. This will result in peak everything. I mean, you, see, you hear the uncomfortable laughter. He lays it right out here. He tells you what it means. I mean, he tells you sustainability is a code word. He says too many people are living at a high standard of living. The Asians are coming up. There's not enough food and resources because we said so. All right. And that's that. This is Malthus 101. And we might instigate population control that changes everything. Uh, this will result in standards of living plunging. So this is Malthus 101. These innate ecosystem restrictions and shortfalls will necessarily shift world uh, econometrics from a growth mantra to one of sustainability. And think about this. This is 2011. That's 2023. And what is the mantra? Sustainability, 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 equity, 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 inclusivity. They're changing the language. They're changing the culture. They're moving the goalposts. They don't discuss actual harmful activity to the entire ecosphere, to all of our planetary species, what they're actually doing. No, their directed evolution that they discuss, that's the threat. This man is an open Malthusian. He's going to tell you population control right now. With possible population control instigated along the way, that changes everything. Uh, in terms of employment, just as an example, uh, we are in a jobless economic recovery. There's about 7 million jobs missing. Some of them were globalized and offshore, part of them. The rest of them are gone. Uh, the code word is productivity improvement, which is a code word for ever better automation and robotization. A lot of code words for screwing you over as a human being. And if you watched me on InfoWars yesterday, you know, I was heavy on automation and Optimus and the true fourth industrial revolution, transhumanism, all of it. And there's a reason, because this is the agenda. This is part of the Davos agenda. See, this is a guy behind the scenes that's part of the bu bureaucracy and the national security state. And right here, he's speaking to a lot of people that would represent those at Davos.
Okay, that that's the truth. Uh, if you look at the way the robots are going, uh, human-level machine intelligence from the IBM Brain Project is now about 10 to 15 years up. Via biomimetics, where they've nanosectioned the neocortex and they're replicating in silicon, okay? And they're, they're having great success in all of this. So this is not soft computing, this is via biomimetics. Uh, we have looked 20, 30 years out with the way robotics and automation and machine intelligence is going at, at what jobs the machines cannot do. The answer is none. Uh, we thought we need human touch labor in nursing homes for a while, but the Japanese two years ago put robots in nursing homes and patients like them much better than the humans. <laughs> Hilarious until they used them during COVID-1984 in places like Australia, and they plan to bring even more of them in now and they want them in the classrooms as well they want to automate education and medicine so they can take out the human element garbage into the ai garbage out of the ai okay robots do what they're programmed to do uh the the the, the, the machines are creating wealth within the structures of the ecosystem uh capability the machines are reducing costs okay producing wealth, but uh, the humans increasingly can't compete. No, they can't. Folks, this has been Reality Rants. I'm so glad that you came over to the second hour. We're doing it live Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's not about left or right. It is always about right and wrong. I love you guys, and I will see you all on the flip side.